attorney they do when they approve your loan. What is it? Whatever that term is, I need that to be my pronoun. My girls will go out to one lady's night. That's it. They can go back with a rule book and everything. <laughs> and then one book coming to me. And then. All right. Are y'all going to kill me if I say, do we throw Michael when he got the skin color change? Stroke. Stroke. Uh-uh. Nope. I demand it. Nope. I'm walking off. Stroke. I'm walking off the stroke. No. I've got to be a stroke. No, no, no. No. Thank you. I was just asking a question. 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 I so for, for the believers it's just like I have to believe you know the God in her just like she has to believe it in me Yo, 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 what's up, what's up, what's up? Welcome back to Let's Chop It Up. Please follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Like and subscribe and tell a friend and tell a friend about four brothers down here on this YouTube channel. My brothers from another mother, how you been? How you doing? Love you all. Miss you guys. Derek, talk to me. Hey, what's happening, fellas? Uh, love to see you guys again. Love to see everybody here with us again. Um, let's see what's been going on, man. Um, I don't know. Just a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I, let's start with what I didn't do. You know what I mean? We always start with what we did do. What I didn't do was watch Canelo Alvarez get his, uh, you know, whoop up on a bum, another bum, all right, for boxing. Um, I'm so tired of this dude. It's ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, you know, he's on a Brit bash. They call it Brit bash. Basically, he's a bum basher. Um, but, you know, so he beat another 10 can, whoop you do. Um, you know, so that was kind of by design, right? But um, and I didn't have time to watch him anyway. Um, the other thing I didn't get a chance to do, unfortunately, was uh, see my middle son um uh, rock at his uh at his concert, man, at his school. Um, from what I understand, well, not from what I understand, from what I've seen the video evidence of it, he killed it. Did his he got his rap solo going on in there? You know what I'm saying? Knocked it out the park. You know what I mean? Um, and um, it's I feel stole the show. I didn't see the rest of the show, but there's no way he did not steal that show. Um, and then um, basically, uh, the rest of the the rest of the time, I'm I'm just here, just just you know, just <laughs> overwhelmed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just the usual, um, the, you know, the usual stuff that we go through in life. You know what I mean? Uh, business and finances and all that stuff. I'm not gonna bore you with that kind of stuff. So um, but I'm here again, and this is always the highlight of the week. Um, thanks everybody for coming through, and um, and I'm a, and I'm a, and I'm a dip on uh, to Damien. Damien, what's going on with you, brother? How you been? What's, what's up, up, man? I'm doing all right. I appreciate everybody. Thanks for that great introduction, Damon. Um, right now, I am doing okay. Just working on actually setting up to launch uh, a new business venture um, regarding to a public uh, a publishing company and a writing academy. So those are two areas that I'm a little bit versed in that I have some experience that I want to share with people, help people reach their writing goals, teach people writing skills and things like that, build community and stuff. You know, to I'm I'm not a big fan of that starving artist moniker, where like you you know 
we in the black community know about a lot of artists, musicians who was the biggest names in the world and couldn't feed themselves. You know what right. I mean? And then it's just a terrible thing. It should never be a thing. You should never be that talented or that successful with anything and then not be able to to eat or provide for yourself or your family. And, and I've never liked that moniker at all. Um, so it's something that I'm hoping to be able to you know, push back against when you educate people on how to take care and protect themselves, also develop their craft to a point where they become undeniable, right? So working on launching that business, actually, um, hopefully coming soon. I'm doing all right and doing my exercises. Today, I did that, you know, the push up where you do the clap in the middle of and come back down. I did that today. So it's almost over for everybody this summer. I'm gonna walk around <laughs> with like the Jamaican shirt with the holes in it, but I ain't get shot. And I'm gonna be like, oh, I, I forgot I left my other shirt in the car. They're gonna be like, how many shirts you got? Two. That's it. Um, so it's, it's uh, you know, I'm working towards them goals, and I'm and I'm really hoping the Lakers win tonight so they could get uh, moved to the next round and eliminate Golden mm. State Warriors. <laughs> I gotta pass it to the person who just booed me, but. Um, I think I'll get some revenge when the Jets start losing this season. So it's all good. Oh, uh, come on, brother. Oh, don't, don't do it like man. that. Don't do it like that. Man. What up, fellas? Uh, yeah, well, first of all, I got to start on a somber song? note. <laughs> I got to start on a somber note. I had a cousin pass away uh, this week. Oh, man. And, oh, uh, yeah, massive, massive wow. uh, stroke. So Sorry I would that. ask that everybody keep the, the Jones family in prayer. Um, yeah, but he was cool. one of the people that we honored. And I, I was telling somebody this I, two years ago. I did something called the Jones family honors and just got named a couple of people in the family we honored them and he was one of them and so you know how everybody says oh man we only meet at funerals do take some time i did it like the august before last and just got together got awards made up um and just presented it to family members that all the people in the family could say this is what you mean to us and so he was one of them so we gave him his flowers and we celebrated him you know but he's no longer with us so please keep the family his son and his grandchildren in prayer now on changing, shifting gears, there's a serious epidemic going on and it has to be addressed. So I have to be the one to address it. There's somebody that I see regularly in the professional world and we have to find a way to, um, to tell people when they live in foul. And there's a brother who, who smell like garbage truck juice in july you understand what i'm saying that's why when you stuck behind the truck you understand what i'm saying and somebody has got to be brave enough to say it you know what i mean now sometimes just take stuff tough love there's no other way to say it but we have got to do something about the funk demon because it's real you understand what i'm saying <laughs> and i i don't know what to say i don't know if you go to a person that's closer to them but it's got to stop so i want to say this to all the people that are into uh, natural deodorants and holistic stuff. <laughs> Listen, we're going to have to make a decision, okay? If you got to die earlier, then do that. But we cannot deal with the funk because it's killing the rest of us. You know what I'm saying? It's killing the rest of us. Try regular deodorant. Risk it. They okay? need some aluminum. They need aluminum and deodorant. Anything you can, step out on faith, but I can't take it. My my eyes are blurry. I just started seeing it again 10 minutes ago, okay? I couldn't see nothing. You ever saw uh, Charlie Brown when they had Pigpen? And, yes. and the thing would be around him, the, the brown smoke. Oh, <laughs> that's man. what I'm saying. You see the brown or green, and you get it in real life, <laughs> and it's bad. So, so please, if, if anybody can send your comments in, we need your prayers, we need your advice. But somebody has got to stop this. It's it's going too long. It is going Yo, too do, long. Do you remember back in the 80s when we went to school with the first group of Indian people that came over? 
B, don't do oh. it like that. Don't don't do it like that, B. That's my bad. Don't do it. <laughs> D, you can start. He's going to get a scroll before I introduce him. That's, I never <laughs> think that. Oh. I'm, just, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not being racist or like that, but come on, let's keep it a buck in New York. Everybody went to school in New York, you know, when that first 80s wave of Pakistani motherfuckers, it was bad, bro. Okay, bad. all I say is this. <laughs> I want people to know, funk is not uh, like, like, um, black. No, no, not, we got black. Not we got bl- no, no, we got black funk. We got Puerto Rican funk. Oh, we got no, black that, boy. Well, that's no, what that. I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Like, yeah. it, it, this this what makes it worse. When other people come around the person, and I know they be nostrils be burning, and they can't say nothing, that's what make it bad. And then why does a person always want to get in your space? You know what I'm saying? Why does a person always get in your space? I, I just, I, we, we have to, listen, there's got to be legislation. Because it's too, let me say something. I went to, I went to Israel years ago. And I've never seen people get dressed in snake. I'm told I've never seen people, and I'm talking about <laughs> where I mean diamond earrings, heels on, because some people believe in your nat- <laughs> your natural. Let me say something. Flesh just just just, hey, Simone. just hey, Simone. <laughs> it's it's just not a good look. But I'm sorry. You know what we're gonna do? Right now, some Nick Knight. We're gonna pass it off to the point guard, the orchestrator, the devastator, number number one in your program, my man, the host of Let's Chop It Up. Everybody give it up for my man D, the scroll master flex. <laughs> what up, D? What's good? What's up, brothers and sisters? How you feeling? E or T's, what's up, baby? Um, my week was kind of interesting, man. It just uh for those that know, I just got out of child support court today. And uh, they, they now they they punish your brother, but I'm I'm still standing. <laughs> <laughs> Glad to hear it. <laughs> the, the, the fucked up thing about child support for those who don't know, man, they never take the good brothers in there for saying you got to spend more time. They just it's just for bitter. It's about bitter people. Bitter, Yo, man, you know, don't take good brothers and mothers, whoever, both sides, mothers and brothers. They only take good people in there because they because they Yo, they're D, not over. They're not the, over that. It be exactly. It be the deadbeats and the no goods. They don't never have no problems, bro. Nah, you know nah, what I'm saying? Nah, it's the nah, one nah. that you you there for your kids. Yeah, you there? Yeah, you, I'm you there. All yeah. the folks. All the I mean, yo, you got, yo, man, I'm on a bench with a bunch of brothers wearing uh, fucking Sean John suits and shit, and I'm at this suit and boot, and everybody <laughs> think I'm the fucking lawyer, you know? So it's just, it's just, it's, it's crazy, like you know. Yeah, so, what you in for? They got you too. What you in? Yeah, for? <laughs> and people, for people, I hope people heal. You know what I'm saying? Because things that you you hold on to can kill you, you know. And, and the people that hold on to bitterness and hate and want to yeah. see somebody else get worse than. Wait, you talk about man. people in our community? Yeah, man. Oh no, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, you had me for a minute, but no, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, I'm, yeah, but, look, know, look just, at Damien Burke up. <laughs> yeah, they gotta. I'm people joking, gotta oh, oh, nah, we're just joking. But everybody, people really gotta heal, man. They gotta, they gotta, yeah. they gotta understand and yeah. want their life. Can't try like I'm still standing. I'm still happy, and just on that. People that come at that's just for me. Anybody, somebody come after you, you know your truth. Stand on, stand ten toes down in it, and they can't. Let's knock your smile off your face, man. Just keep pushing on, man. Things people understand. I got. I'm surrounded by mad love. Money is nothing. I can always get money. Can't get a lot of love, man. Can't get a lot of people to trust me, believe in your facts. shit. So that, facts, facts. I'm, I'm, I'm very rich on that. That's so good. Good, that's then you wealthy. That's no. what it is. That's what it's about. Hey, I'm, I'm super wealthy, man. I'm super yeah, that's wealthy. What it's about. You can tell I'm when a brother tight when he sound like that. Yeah, see, <laughs> I'm good regardless. You nah, know, it don't matter. I'm tight. I'm tight. See, this that yeah. old bull about hey, it's, it's, it's the bullshit. <laughs> only good, only get good people get fucked up by bitter yeah. and evil people. I don't give a fuck. People tell me I don't say right. it. man. It is what it is, and right. it could be broadcast. Somebody could send this to. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> so you know what I'm saying? Like, you know I'm, what it is? Is this first of all, because you happy, 
and you got yeah. your trans slender on, and you know once that happened, that's it. exactly yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you go. Exactly. I can go in any room. My name is my name is Golden, so I'm good. No doubt. That's no doubt. Up. But anyhow, speaking of some unjust things that just happened, man, because just like a take of time. We asked uh, this justice for Jordan Neely. This young brother, for people to know, was a young brother that was struggling on the streets. He was uh, suffering from mental illness. He was homeless. He was out. He what he was doing was reaching out for help, and some people took it the wrong way, and it ended this young man's life. For for those who know, Jamie, can you play the clip of the, of the brother, um, the story of Jordan Neely, please? Here's just a few things that we do know about Jordan Neely, the homeless man that was murdered on a New York subway. We do know that he was mentally ill and prior to his death, he was screaming about injustices, how hungry he was, how thirsty he was, and he was saying threatening things to passengers. We know that news outlets really want to highlight the fact that Jordan has been arrested over 40 times. Did you know that homeless people often try to get arrested so that they can have food, water, and a safer place to sleep? We do know that a 24-year-old old marine veteran then decided to place him in a chokehold now we know the chokehold lasted for 15 minutes and the new york city coroner just ruled his death a homicide so i guess there's some things i don't know i don't know why jordan nearly deserved to die if no one had been physically harmed i don't know why the three men around him couldn't subdue him until the police came i did not know that citizens were allowed to decide who lives and who dies i guess there's a lot of things we don't know but i do hope that we see justice for jordan nearly Brothers, anybody want to check it first? Yo, I'll tell you this much. I once had a similar situation that I was involved with. All right. Uh, on, on an old job of mine, walked in um, and a guy was accosting one of the security guards. I came in, guy took a poke at me, hit me in the face. We handled what we had to do, and between myself and the security guard, we sat on this guy for at least 20 minutes to a half hour, all right? Waiting, I guess maybe because it was a shift change with the police or whatever. This this man managed to walk out of there alive, all right? Obviously, he was having some sort of um, mental crisis. I think he we, we, we there was a, a methadone clinic, you know, same block. So I don't know if that had something to do with it, um, but um, if and I and 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 what stuck with me was if I, with minimal training, was able to keep this man alive and long enough to get him subdued and send him off, I don't see why. Let's say, and even though we're not necessarily talking about police, I don't see why police seem to have such a hard time with this sort of with this sort of thing. And when I see this situation. Where I see three gentlemen with this guy, all right, I don't see how he gets choked out. You know, I just don't see it. Now, everyone reacts a little differently. I'm a different person than these people are, but this was a homicide. And I don't know how afraid you are with when it's you and three other people. Maybe, I don't know if that's a defense or whatever, but this was a homicide. And I would like to see this prosecuted. You know what I mean? And I would like to see what comes out of that. I think there needs to be a dead court at the very least. But unfortunately, I'm not too, you know. Optimistic about Yeah, it. I'm not too optimistic that we're going to get Do, anything like that. Matt, may I ask a quick question? Do, um, you know how they say you got to register your hands as a boxer, like for deadly weapons? Do military 
have anything related to that to them at all? And do you think they should if they're trained to like do certain types of lethal use certain types of lethal force in the public? It, it, it depends if they're still active. I can see where you're going with that, but and and Derek can correct me if I'm wrong. If you're not licensed boxing, I don't think you have to have your right. hands because right. so this guy's former military, so he's 24 years old. So he probably went in the military, say at 18, he was right. out at 22. So he's former military. So I don't think. He but the training me. doesn't really go away. Well, you know what I mean? that's why it's training. That's, that's that same thing in boxing. Your training never goes away because you can't. Your hands can't be registered weapons. You, and you're also okay, assuming just, that his military job was to actually. I mean, yes, correct. You, when you're in the joint military, you do have an obligation to fight if necessary. But your job, your MOS, yeah. is not. I'm not asking about his job. I'm asking if he was trained to use well, they, lethal force. They're all trained. You have yeah, to. Yeah, I, I so think that branch that's in a particular. Big difference. Well, that branch in particular, you have to. Well, have I'm gonna answer it like this, Damon. I really don't know. I mean, I don't know as far as uh, mm -hmm. military. Once people get out, I'll just say this, and 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 I don't like to make sweep, sweeping statements, but I gotta admit, most of the men that I know that were in the Marines are just dangerous. You know, when I tell you, you cannot untrain that. I'm talking about most of them. What they go mm. through. There is, you know, now whether they you call them functional or not, but the Marines, Those are most of the Marines I know have a short fuse and are very, very dangerous men. Most of them. I mean, and I'm talking about they don't most of the ones I know do not seem far away from what you just saw. You know what I mean? Right. From uh, Literally from going zero to 60. And um, I'm sure the prosecution is going to want murder. I'm sure the defense is going to argue his own insanity. And 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 I don't know where the truth lies in. It is never, you know, for someone to be killed, I think the lady made a very, very salient point when she said, um, you get to choose who lives or who dies. I'll say this, the, right. the, mental, the mental illness thing, I've never seen it like this. I've never seen it where it's prevalent every day. I mean, it used to be certain areas you'd see more than others or whatever. It is every day. And people don't know how to handle it. People don't know what to do. And I want to say this. Um, I've noticed people who, I mean, just the average layperson today is just on edge more than any other time. And please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not giving justification for this. I'm noticing the way people drive. I'm noticing the way people interact. It just seems like we are like, like by a hair on the verge of just people just losing it across the board and so they're gonna have to sort this out i do agree with marcia i think it is highly excessive um it's sad there's no winners in this but it just seems like this is becoming the new norm it just really is and it's it's, it's unfortunate and, and i mean you see gun violence but to actually strangle someone to death that's a different level i mean and then have people filming it and watching it and and, and being around it, it it makes it even worse for 15 minutes that's that's a to me that comes off and i don't know the legal term to where i'm using it properly but i would say it's premeditated because you have to th 15 minutes is a long time to hold somebody in a deadly position Definitely. yeah that might be an argument there uh you know uh and uh, sean says that was murder there may be an argument there only because as you say uh and i'm and of course i'm not a legal expert but just because of the length of time that he was that that uh, chokehold was applied, you know what I'm saying? That's what I would think. Normally, I'm against. Um, I, I want to see a prosecution, man. You know what I'm saying? But I want it to be at least uh, a positive charge. Um, Sean, yeah, let me just read this. Sean says, if Jordan got mental illness, what about the person that applies a chokehold? 
feels like subjective at best. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I'm saying somebody's gonna argue that because believe me, he lost it too. Um, But I'm saying like I know people that were married to Marines. I know people that were. I mean, I'm telling you, and what the stories I hear, and they are trained to kill. You can't untrain that. Like that seriously. That's what. That's what. Look what you Ortiz. But I want to cut you to what Derek was saying. She says, "Ironic that a Marine killed him. Of all the military branches, the Marines almost guarantees you are having a drug problem and being homeless." You know, they see some stuff. That'd be a good stat to find out which branch is, Mm. you know, suffering the most from that. And and I would definitely lean toward that as well. I don't know the numbers, but I would think so. I'm with you, Calvin. The mental health. Yeah, the mental health systems act of 1980 uh, was United States legislation signed by President Jimmy Carter, which provided grants to community mental health centers. President Reagan cut the grants for the act. Yeah. Sounds about might have right. might have been helpful. <laughs> yeah, might have been helpful. Yeah, thanks for that for that information. Yeah, I mean, it might have really been helpful. Now, of course, we're assuming that we're, we're having this conversation. We don't know if this particular marine was had mental health issues. You know, no. What just, I'm saying, what I'm saying, Derek is, and I know again, this is like a judgment or a stereotype. I don't know that you leave that branch without it. Like it's just almost. Like certain people are more functional than others, but yeah, I mean, what they tell me remember, they have the they, they stay in basic training 12 weeks, everybody else stays, I think, eight. Um, you know, I don't care if you go in there to be an administrator, you're gonna leave Paris Island, or I think it's San Diego, there's two places you go that's Paris, and Paris I'm, Island, Paris yeah. Island, or right, right. And I mean, it's 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 deadly, like, and they say you can't just ask that person to come back and just revert into you know what i'm saying just a civilian lifestyle they are on edge and um again i'm not justifying it i know very very little about it um but i've known some marines and people and they tell me i mean i i was at a, a, a function one day one of my one of my guys uh, one of his, one of my friends he was in the army and i'm at one of his barbecues and one of his friends is telling me he got into like an altercation with a dude at a supermarket and he's like yo i've been to iraq i got two kills under me so whatever you want to do this and i'm and as he's telling me the story i'm looking at his eyes he's going right back there yeah. and he's saying i've killed people before y'all out here fronting and, and talking loud i've killed people before and he started getting real quiet and yeah. people knew what that meant and so yeah. what i'm saying is you there's more ticking time bombs around us now than i ever remember <laughs> ever yeah. remember yeah I know, I know there's probably I, w- I would assume there's going to be some discussion around mental health and things like that. I don't know of anybody. I'm not capable. And I don't think most people are capable of diagnosing somebody and saying they have mental issues. I can say from what I saw, he displayed some type of cognitive dissonance or mental issue that is problematic. If you can put somebody in a deadly chokehold for 15 minutes and not think that this person ain't fighting back, this person ain't moving. Maybe I can let up. Maybe right. it's over. But so when people are trained to kill, that we need to address. When people are trained to kill, I guess depending on the situation, they kill. Like mm-hmm. they don't, they don't stop. Like they, you know what I mean? Mm. Damn, so women with abortions consider the same. Savage boy. Mm. Women with abortions so, consider the same. Real quick, I'm gonna change the subject real quick, man. It's gonna little topic on relationships, real quick, man. So let me ask you guys a question: Is it permissible? Permissible? to compliment a woman physical appearance these days 
or is it considered sexual, subject, subject, suggestive, suggestive, or disrespectful? Mm. I guess it <laughs> I know you like I'm uncomfortable myself. No, you know I think <laughs> I know a homeboy doing this and whatnot at the beginning. Like, yeah, I'm like what the kind of freaky left hand shit is that? You know, there's the, I think there's, I think there's levels to it, right? I think there's levels to it, and so you know, I was discussing it with someone, and um, it has a lot to do with uh, errors. This era is a lot more sensitive to things that were a little more permissible 20 and 25 years ago. Um, like, for instance, when I was a kid, if my mother, father and my sister and I went out to eat, the waitress would bring like menus and my father would be like, oh, thanks a lot, sweetheart. If he said that today, I mean, he'd be canceled. He'd be, you know, it'd be, you know, degrading. It would be misogynistic or whatever. He meant it as a term of endearment. I thought that was fine. And for that time, it was. And so what I realize is women, it's different with women, I think, because women are constantly sought after from the time they start to develop. They're constantly approached, are constantly approached, approached by men as sexual objects, usually. So the question is, when you're complimenting someone, some of it has to do with the way the person perceives it, not even just the way it's said, perceives it. I remember one time there was a guy that had, a, uh, he was probably in his early 30s, and he was uh, married to a, a very attractive woman, never said anything to her while she was by herself. And I intentionally did that. I never complimented her or anything while she was by herself. One day I see them both together, and I was like, oh, that's a very nice dress you have on. From that moment, the dude treated me different. You could see it was something that bothered him. And I said it in front of him because I wanted it to, I wanted him to know it's not like, you know what I'm saying? She by herself and I say something to her. I'm saying in front of you because I want you to know what I'm saying is respectful. I'm just being complimentary. And I noticed there was some type of change. Now, some of that may be based on his own insecurities. But then I thought about it. You know what? I shouldn't have said anything. I don't need to tell a married woman she's looks nice or look, I don't need to affirm her. I don't need to, you know, whatever. A lot of times when guys are single and they compliment someone, it's to let the person know they find them attractive or something like that. And so sometimes it is kind of like an introduction, uh, but sometimes it's just being complimentary, being nice. And the question is you have to kind of weigh it out. Yeah. I mean, I get what you're saying too, Kelvin, man. But um, you know, that, that's the funny thing. <clears throat> yeah, you want to get cat calls, go to Yonkers. <laughs> and what? And it, what is it? I, yeah, yeah. That used to be again. That used to be an, another thing. That used to be. I don't know how acceptable it was, but it was. It, it was certainly more um, typical. You know, um, that a woman would walk by, and you know. You'd hear, hey, light skin, light skin, or hey, you know, <laughs> brown and brown. <laughs> you know, the guys would do it, you know. <laughs> and um, you know, and um, but I don't I don't know now, you know what I mean? Like now, right now, man, this is like you, you can't even you can't even play like that, you know what I'm saying? So um, you know, yeah, my wife just also she said it still happens, yeah, it still happens, yeah. So, but um, mm -hmm. but you know, I don't know in this in this current climate, I don't know. I I know I, I know I don't see it as much as I used to, and maybe maybe 
that's because I'm not doing it anymore because I'm married. I don't know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, now, at, now, as a married man, uh, do you compliment women at all? Or is it just, I don't do it at all, period. You, do can, you, as, you, you can compliment women, but not in the way that you have to be very careful. You know what I mean? And I'm able, right. I'm, I'm, I'm able to do it now as an older man, just, you know, in a more innocent way, because that's how I mean it. You know what I'm saying? Right, you know, right, right. Exactly. exactly how I mean it. If I give someone a compliment who, ha who happens to be a woman, you know what I'm saying? It's going to be a very innocent thing, you know, and and I'm going to be very careful about it. You know how I speak. I'm I'm paying attention to my tone. I'm paying attention to, you know, yeah, how to I your eyes. You can say, you, when you say yes. When you say yeah. you got a nice dress, you got to say, oh, you got a nice dress. And then look yeah. away. You can't look at like, damn, look <laughs> yeah. at they, you can't look at their curves and you shit can't like that. Gaze man. until the no. now, now, D, now, D just made a very innocent comment. But if you, if you, let's say you say that to a person, right? And this is not a person that works on your staff or anything like that. You just say that's a nice dress to somebody that may be in the elevator with you or something like that. The question would be why? Like, is it an issue? Why I say it? Why? Why? You know, what I'm saying, are you trying to make the person feel good? Or what is the? What is the? I, the, the I, think, I think that's what people don't want. You know, want to know. I generally don't do it to someone I don't know. Got you. you know what I'm saying? Like, I already right. have a previous relationship with said person. They already know that we are established. You know, in whatever way that we're established, probably as casual friends or at least friendly. Um, or a casual acquaintance, and that's what yeah. it means, and it's all it means. We leave it there, you know what I mean? And yeah, can I can I put, bring in a like a different perspective? Because there's something I started to actively do a few years back, and I think I might have spoken to Demond about it. Like I I think about it. There's so much like depression and people who are just uncomfortable, insecure, dealing with whatever type of body dysmorphia that they're dealing with. I started to just more often send out what I would consider some of the most innocent type of compliments that I could to people like on the street in New York, you know, I'm from Brooklyn. We have a certain type of face that most people be like, Oh, you from Brooklyn. You know what I mean? Like I have that. I was born with it, raised with it. I still got it. Um, I'll say things and I'll use certain words. I like even coworkers in the workspace. I'd be like, yo, those shoes are fly. Like, and I won't necessarily be staring at them or staring at their face. I'd be like, yo, I see you. Like I'll try to say it in a way where it don't even sound like I'm whispering or quiet to you, but like, yo, that's dope. Like that's a nice shirt or a blazer or something like that. Where if you are not uncomfortable with it, it, it would be a stretch. And I know I'm putting myself at risk by even saying it, but I people on the street, I walk by, I'll be like, miss, that's a nice bag. That's kind of fly. And you know, some people are like, oh, thank you. And they walk away smiling and I just keep it pushing. I don't stop. I don't linger. Um, but I was doing it just to just to be like, yo, I, you know, you work with people in certain spaces. You, you hear about a lot of the conversations and experiences that they go through where there's a lot of women who have had almost complete negative experiences with men. And sometimes you just want to say, you know what? I hope you have a nice day, you know, or yo, that you, 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 you look fly today or you hooked it up. Oh, shoe game is on point. You know what I mean? Little things like that. I try to stay away from body parts. Because you never know what somebody's dealing with. You know, there, there are women and, and some, like I'm not speaking of women or speaking for them, who have large breasts, but that is a medical concern, right? So if you compliment them on a physical body part or something like that, they have a medical condition. They're, you know, I have friends who had breast reductions because their breasts were too big. But then being my friends, I was like, yo, your joints is they, they big. But it, it, you know, really, you know how you can speak to your friends in ways that you won't speak to a stranger. 
jokingly, respectfully, they don't take it a negative way because you never put them in a situation where they would never would feel uncomfortable. Um, and so it, it's hard to judge because like you said, the social climate, like all of y'all said that it's changed. And I think it's in a response from a history of harassment, you know, that women had to deal with. Yeah. Uh, but I, I still yeah. look at it and I say, if, and somebody, a friend of mine I was speaking to earlier mentioned it, if we don't try to communicate and try to speak to each other, if we just basically shut down, then that may be the worst case scenario out of all of it, right? Because now there are people who walk around and say, I don't want to speak to no women ever. Like if I'm in public, I'm looking down at the floor and I'm walking, you know? So there is, that's the other side of it. And that might be an extreme view, but I think that's important to really think about and consider. And it, you know, it's really hard for me to be like, yo, that's a, you got a shoe game. Like last week, you, you had some fly shoes on and today, like, that's crazy. Like most people be like, thank you. And if they're like, yo, he got a foot fetish. I'd be like, I, I really don't. Like, I think you know that's I mean? safe, I Damien. I think, I think yeah. that is safe. Now something happened to me. I was in uh, Houston, Texas with a friend walking back uh, from her church with her and she had a dress on and, and uh, the dude, older guy comes up and he's like, oh, you must be a runner. Cause I know them type of legs. Those legs, something like that. I'm like, dude, I'm like, so you gonna just disrespect me? I mean, like, my man, I'm with her. Like, but, but years ago, you used to be able to compliment a woman's legs. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, a woman with nice legs, you should be able to say it. But to your point, I guess you can't now because that's a body part. And I've heard some women say they miss when people used to be able to do that. You know what I'm saying? Now you can't. Yeah. Now you can't say nothing. But 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 the dude said it, and I was like, wait a minute, I I need to be up there. You know. About to lay my man out. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's just like that's how dudes are. And he didn't mean nothing about it. He said it in front of me. But I mean, my man, like, like this, like, um, I think it was Capone had this joke. He said, the African dudes, they'll step to your woman while you with them. You know what I'm saying? He said, I'm, he said, dude came up to his woman, like, oh, you look very nice. He's like, my man, I'm with her. My brother, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> Let it be known. Said, with, that, with that said, man, we got, we got a guest waiting in the back. We, we don't want to keep them up because they, they go to bed real early because they're getting old, young. So <laughs> this is, this is one, of the, one of the main jobs in America that's really disrespected a lot is the teacher. And this is National Teachers Month. And without further ado, we want to honor one of our teachers, our educators that's out here. And when I say she's in the hood, she is in the hood. Jamie, can you bring on Brittany? Hey. Hey, Brittany, Brittany, Brittany. Hello, hello. Hey, hey, hey. hey Brittany. Brittany. I want to say thank you first for being a teacher. And oh, very you. proud. Yes. You're in, the, you're in the family business of helping and educating our young and our future. That's what we do in our family here. Mm -hmm. So we, I want to say that thank you for being a strong black teacher in the hood. <laughs> thank so, you, Brittany. Thank you. Tell people where you teach at. I mean, you have to say if you want to say the school, what area in America do you teach? I'll just at say the area because I don't want y'all googling my ghetto school chap. I teach. <laughs> in, <laughs> I teach at a major high school in Baltimore City Public Schools here in Baltimore City. <laughs> all right, all right. So, well, Brittany, let me ask you a question. What's some of the things that you think is? So you worked in elementary school before, right? Middle school. Middle school. So what is, what's the biggest difference you've seen now from high school to middle school in our urban areas? And what's some of the things you think is lacking that can help improve them to com compete against the, we all say the counties out there, the different counties out there? Yeah. Um, well, the difference is between high school and middle school. Middle schoolers are terrorists. Don't ever do that. Um, they are at that <laughs> stage where they think they're grown, but they're not yet. And they don't have the self-regulation skills 
So it's just a real toe-to-toe battle. You have to be just a little bit crazy to teach middle school. High school students, even in urban communities, are very self-aware uh, of their surroundings and you know their environment and some of the reasons as to why they are or where they are or their families are where they are. And they're more receptive, believe it or not. So people would always think that high school is the worst because they're older. No, that's the best because they're starting to really understand the world differently and they can self-regulate and they're not so such in a rush to be the adult in the situation. Um, what was the second question? What are some of the ways that we can create like a uh, streamline so that we're um, competing with our yeah, yeah. And what was some of the things you think you're lacking in the, is it is it in politicians in the area parents involvement? What do you think? Parent involvement. Um, most people will first say money. It's not funding. Baltimore City is one of the highest funded funded um, public school systems in the world, not the world, but the U.S. Uh, however, we still competing with. Things like facilities, like our facilities are super old, like a Baltimore City, like a New York City school. You know, they were built decades ago. And uh, the cost that it is just to keep up the buildings, to remodel them, we can't compete on that standard. So when we want to have 21st century buildings like the counties may have, we don't have the same opportunity to do that because you have to knock down an entire building and rebuild it, which is a process. When you got 1,600 students, where do they go for that year or two years? Uh, so that's the first thing. It's not funding, but facilities are a big issue. Um, I think teacher burnout. I just found out that the longest teacher on average is three years, which means retention is terrible. Teachers are not lasting more than three years anymore. I know for a fact, five teachers in my school who's been there for over 20 years are retiring this year because they just can't take it anymore. And that comes from the new age students. So we really have to engage parents in urban communities. Um, and then we also have to start meeting our kids where they are and stop trying to make them somebody they are, they're not supposed to be. So when we put them against their counterparts, we're not really being fair to who they are as people. So how do we strengthen who they already are and target the abilities that they already have and possess instead of saying, you should be like these kids at that white school, you know? Mm-hmm. Brittany, uh, what is it a, a person right now that's uh, an education major that has never been before a classroom before? What do you know now that you wish you knew when you were in their position? What do they need to know before they walk into this endeavor? Uh, n- number one, don't take anything personal. Kids will say everything. You just got to save it. <laughs> um <laughs> Two, you have to build relationships. You can't get anywhere if you don't have relationships with your kids, no matter your race, because you will see that you have a lot of um, white people teaching in urban communities. And sometimes that can either work for them or be against them. If you're just yourself, our kids will always respond to you. Um, Classroom management is a lot of the reason why a lot of teachers end up leaving early. Your first year, that's the only thing you should be focused on. Don't focus on curriculum. Don't focus on testing. Don't focus on anything but classroom management, because once you have that, you you create an environment where students can actually learn. Your life is 10 times easier. So I think those were the biggest things that um, I wanted to know about. And then also to know you're not going to be a great teacher for the first two or three years. Like there are some days where it's a total shit show and you just like, I don't know what y'all learned. And Lord, let me just get to the house. There are some days you may not even have a lesson plan. School start at eight. It's 755. You still type in a lesson plan. And that's okay. Like, I think you just have to have grace with yourself. It's not something you can master overnight. And some people who are perfectionists can't really handle that. Britt, you know, you said something which 
kind of piqued my interest. You said um, you called you said something about new age students. All right. You use that phrase, new age student. What is the new age student? What are you seeing that makes them that makes you say that there's something new about them? What are you saying? Um, a couple things. Number one, they're COVID babies. So even kids who if you think about every kid in the school system right now, they lost on average about two and a half years of learning because of COVID, right? So even though we have virtual schooling, there are very few school kids who excelled at it. There are some kids, virtual schooling was perfect, but if you don't have a parent at home telling you to get on a computer at 12 and 13, were you going to get on a computer to do your learning or were you going to sleep and play your video games, right? Okay. So they're very behind already because they're two and a half years behind and that even is even worse for an elementary school kid. If you were in second grade when COVID happened, you missed your pivotal years of reading. So when you come back to fifth grade, you can't read. And once, if you get past fourth grade without the fundamentals of reading, you're going to, you have a higher chance of failing going forward, right? So that's one big thing. Millennial parents. I am a millennial and I say this as a millennial. Millennial parents are the worst parents ever, okay? The worst. <laughs> <laughs> Number wow. one. Millennial parents are too busy on their phone. They still want to be outside in the streets. They 45 and still trying to live the life of a 25-year-old, right? So when their kids get to ninth grade, they all hands off. Oh, I'm with you. You got to handle it. I don't know what to do anymore. That's never been a thing in our generation. It's like, you will never hear my mom say, I don't know how to handle her. She knew exactly how to handle me. I'm sure you can attest that your parents knew how to handle you as well. So uh, that's the biggest thing. These parents are more focused on what their kids look like. Are their kids going to prom or this? But when it comes down to the grades, the parents don't care or they're not holding their kids accountable. And it's always, well, what are you doing as the teacher? It's not what my kid did or how can we assist my kids? What are you doing? And you must be the problem. So I think that's the biggest thing. Our parents are coddlers. Um, and that just doesn't work. Like you can't coddle your kids through life because once they matriculate through high school, when they get in the real world, nobody cares and no one's going to coddle them, but their parents are not really setting them up to progress mm. in the real world standard. Facts on that. People have a very, there's a very small margin of error for our children at times, it seems, mm -hmm. you know, and it getting smaller every year, it seems. Yeah. yeah. And I think um, Ortiz, she asked about cell phones. This is yeah. a cell phone generation. And that does kind of um, their attention spans. They have a seven second attention span, you know. So you really have to reinvent the rule on how to teach this generation of kids. They're not critical thinkers and we teach critical thinking. And that's just not something they have. So every problem they are waiting for someone to solve for them. And that's just what really separates them from the previous generations. Yeah, mm -hmm. Can I ask a question? How do y'all normally teach and facilitate critical thinking? Um, it's embedded in your curriculum. So I'm an English teacher and we are still reading books from the brink of time. I'm sure everybody on here has read um, A Lesson Before Dying or uh, what's the book that I just read about Aquanco? Can't think of the name of it right now. But Precious? These, no. <laughs> These books have a lot of life lessons that we can still connect to everyday life. And that's pretty much how we get them to critical things. So one of the books we read is from the colonization of Africa, right? This is ages ago. But I can connect a lot of things in there to hyper-masculinity, to everyday life. How can we make those connections? So that's how we really push deeper thinking. Like, what is the deeper cause of this? And how do we relate this to, to the world today? And how do we, you know, change this? Because we're really trying to teach them to be world citizens. Right, EOTs, things fall apart. Name that. Things fall apart. Yes, that's it.
Chin or chubby. You, you know what, Brittany? When I go past certain schools, and I don't know if this happens other places in the country, what they've done is they've taken schools and they've made them what they call magnet schools. And mm -hmm. so here they had like Andrew Jackson. Now that's broken up to five high schools in one school. And then Springfield High School. They, I, I just think education in New York, I mean, there's a major budget for it. I think we have... Do we have the largest school yes. district yes. in the country? In the country. And yep. I have to tell you something. As you ride past these schools, it the, the future does that. not look hopeful. It doesn't. I mean, we already know. I think America's what, 21st or 22nd in the, in the world when it comes to education. We're really, really far behind. And it just seems like, like what signs of hope? And, and I think you're a teacher, so you have you are the hope. But what what are some some tangible signs of hope that that make us think that we can turn this around? That's a hard question, because if I'm I know be, it is, if I'm going to be real and I absolutely love my job, there are days where I really do see the kids um, learning and progressing. But that's me. And not to toot my own horn, I know how to connect to the kids in my community because I know them. I understand them. Right. Um, so for me, I can see bursts of hope in my in my classroom, but right outside my classroom, in the hallway, I don't see that hope. Um, I think that there are so many people in these district offices who think that they know what a school needs and have no clue, are so far removed. Some of them have never even worked in school buildings or worked in a classroom. So how can you really say what is needed to progress our classrooms if you've never been in one or you're not spending time in them. You don't know what the problems our kids are facing. Every single year, especially in Baltimore City, but as America, as you said, we see that our um, mastery levels in English and math are going down, 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 right? And it keeps saying, switch the curriculum, do this. The curriculum is BS. It's not achievable for most kids, even in white schools. Um, the magnet schools, is, so that's a little different here. Every state is slightly different. Those would be considered like public charter or charter schools here or CTE schools. So a CTE is a career technical um, pathway school where you have like welding or barber or things like that. My school is like that. So we offer over 22 trades um, and you can get certified coming out of school. So you have to have that balance where there are kids, where there are schools that focus on college, but everybody's not going to college and everybody doesn't need to go to college. That's the reality. So what are we offering the kids who aren't going to college? What are the alternative programs for kids where a school, a normal school building is just not for them? I've had several students where the reality is you can't educate everybody and you go in thinking everyone's educable. No, they're not. Like, let's let's be real. Some of them have seen things that some of us have never seen in our life by the time they're 12 and 13. So to think that this kid who's normally an adult in everyday life has to come and be a child for six hours a day is going to work. It's not. So there are alternative programs that people try to shy away from, like military school, six months programs where you can get your GED, your driver's license, and you can go off into the world at the age of 16. And some people need that. So I think once we start recognizing those little things and stop trying to push for what used to be and push for what needs to be, uh, then we can start to see those glimpses of hopes. But it has to start from the top. The teachers can't do it alone. Teachers are often the ones who don't, who aren't heard from. Like we're always told what to do in our classroom opposed to saying what works in your classroom. Brittany, I have one last one. I'm sorry, uh, mm -hmm. gentlemen, for taking up so much time. Um, when I was going to parent-teacher conferences for my nieces and nephew when they were in the high school, 
I started noticing younger teachers, teachers that are 21, 22, who are on social media and they'd have the kids following them on social media. And these, it was just, it's, it was wildly inappropriate to me. I mean, literally you'd have a teacher that's 20 years old. You have a boy in the class that's 16 years old. And so I'm always reading these stories now about, um, kind of crossing that line romantically with, um, I'm sorry, I shouldn't use the word romantically, illegally with teachers and students. You know what I'm saying? Like this, this sexual thing that we read about a lot now. I don't know if it's more prevalent now or if it's just more publicized now, but why are we, why is this such a thing? And this is picking up steam. I mean, there's a lot of cases of this now and I see a lot more. Um, do you see that more? Um, do you all do something to kind of uh, prevent it or uh, discuss it, uh, have some preventive measures about teachers crossing the line with students and obviously of that type of nature? Um, this isn't new. I, I, I can't, like you said, I can't speak to statistically if it's happening more than before, but I think it's just like the shooting of black men in the streets. It's just that we see it now. It's, it was happening at the same rate before. We just didn't have it at the tip of our hands. So I think for um, school systems and inappropriate relationships, it's the same thing. I don't think the the rates are higher. Um, we they don't we don't have discussions about that. We don't get coached on that. I don't think we should. I just think that should be a given. Like coming in as an adult, you know that there is a line between you and a student. I think that's a personal individual thing, and people who do that already had that in them. You know what I mean? Before coming, and sometimes who knows what their ulterior motive was to even get into education or or be around that number of young students. Um, because in my school, it's a, a large school. So we have a lot of student support and a lot of the student support are black males. Um, and you do have to watch that. Like, you know what I mean? Because sometimes they are inappropriate and the girls will tell you like immediately who's like inappropriate, who's not. Uh, so it's just more of having a better vetting system, but even with proper vetting, there are going to be people who still slip through the cracks. As far as social media goes, it's very hard to balance your personal life as an educator um, because you want to, you should, as a person, have a life outside of education where you're free to be wherever you want online, right? Um, you just have to take those measures to make sure your kids aren't aware. Like me, I have a whole different name on Instagram. My kids don't know Keisha from anywhere. So they can't find me. Like now I they do. I'm sure to. Um, take those precautions to make it harder for kids to find me or block them when they do. But I'm also aware of what I post and that just comes with age. So real quick, we got a question a comment yeah. from uh, EOT. EOT. Yeah. Uh, are children with psychological and behavioral problems addressed and helped? Uh, yes. Um, they do a really great job, especially in urban communities, at creating social and learning, social emotional learning environments. There are tons of clinicians who work within your building. They're there 24-7. Um, nowadays, for what God, if you ever hear me say that child got an IP or that adult has an IP, it's an individual educational plan. It means there's some ain't right up there, or you just learn a little differently than others, right? <laughs> Back in the day, they say she just a little touch of slow, right? So um, you have kids with IEPs and 504s. 504s can be a number of things, but sometimes can be like emotional disturbance. Um, and all teachers are equipped with tools, how to help them and who to access to help them when needed. And I've seen some real psychological like cases and dealt with them and taught them. Uh, but there's still people and they still deserve 
a chance to learn is just making sure that you are making the learning equitable for them. Uh, so they are addressing the problems. There are multiple people who are paid to be in a school building to help with those type of kids. It doesn't, it's not all, it, it, you know, it's not a one thing that will fix it, but we do have the supports for those type of kids. All right, cool, cool. So, Brittany, um, anything you want to promote, uh, let them know about your stepping team and if they can donate somewhere or buy some popcorn. You know, you're always selling goddamn popcorn. I know. If you guys follow me on <laughs> Instagram, you'll see whenever we do our next fundraiser. What's your, what's your, what, what's your Instagram? It is Keisha K E I S H A S Chronicles. Now, somebody else spelled this for me, so let me look at it because you know you got to get fancy on the Instagram and names be taken. <laughs> <laughs> So Chronicles is K-H-R-O-N-I-C-L-E-S. Keisha's Chronicles. Um, so I do coach a step team. What I want you guys to take away from this is, number one, have grace for educators. It's really one of the hardest jobs you'll have in the world. And I don't think people know that. We are severely underpaid, even in those states like mine that pays well. We are still not paid enough for the amount of hours that we put in. Our three months of vacation are needed because y'all kids is great. So, um, and Brittany's so, tongue in cheek joking with this, so people don't take it so serious. We just yeah. joking around. Uh, um, no, she right too. <laughs> but mostly, more than anything, if you have two more days left, if you know any teachers, reach out to them. I don't care if it's a Starbucks card, some cash app for some lunch. Just show them that they are appreciated because people are leaving this field by the droves, and that affects you guys. You you want to have teachers in your schools that want to be there. We are so low on teachers, you could not imagine. We have virtual teachers inside the building. That's how low we are on teachers. Brittany, so, do people have more respect after having that have dealt with their kids at home? Oh yeah, a lot of a lot of parents have said that. Like, yeah, now that I had to deal with them for two years and and figure this out. Number one, I realized my child can't read. Man, we've been trying to tell you that for years. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, number two, it's it's hard. So. Um, yeah, just shout out to any teachers that you know. Send them a message. Let them know that they're appreciated because you want them to stay in the profession, especially the good ones. But I'm telling you, a lot of them are leaving, no matter how good they are. Mm -hmm. They are leaving. Yeah. All right. That. Thank you, Brittany. Hope you have a good night. Get to rest. Get ready for tomorrow. And educate the little black babies over there. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you, Brittany. Thanks. Oh, yeah. man. Damien and on top. Oh, yeah. You got it good? Damien, you all right, man? You look like you're dead, brother. Yeah, I have a lot of comments that I'm going to leave to myself right now. So we're going to keep moving on. What's the next topic? Let's do it. All right. <laughs> hey, Damien. <laughs> yeah. So Ebony K. Williams. K. Williams. Yeah, came on. Um, It was on big on Instagram for last week. I'm going to echo. Somebody got to turn their joint off. Ebony K. Williams um, made a comment. Got a lot of backlash. What she said about dating a bus driver. She has an extended video. She came back and made another comment. So, Jamie, can you play the clip for us? I do want you to speak, Ayanla, to how women need to, uh, I don't know, position ourselves so that we can be in our divinity, so we can have our crowns right, how we can create and not build 
when some of us, quite frankly, feel that the men that are available to us, and I'm talking about across the color spectrum, across the age spectrum, trust me, I've done them all, um, they are not positioned to protect nor provide because of some of the statistics we just talked about. They're not earning the incomes. They're not having the resources, and some of them are not even showing up in the leadership. Would you date a bus driver? You. Would you date if a bus If he owns driver? the bus. If he owns no. it. If he owns the bus. See, that's a problem. That's a problem. Now let's address the response to the interview and what some of y'all are calling a backlash. So let me be clear. First, I am a professional disruptor. So backlash is my business. And I will always take it on the chin for the sake of advancing the work, conversation, or movement. So know that I am completely unfazed by the onslaught of nasty comments, wishing me a sad, lonely, bitter existence until my untimely death. Now, that is some weird energy to be wishing onto a black woman, especially one who has dedicated her life to the liberation of black folk. But, you know, whatever, I guess, go off. See, I wanted to talk about how do we close the gap between black women who do show up in a so-called masculine posture, those of us that are providing and building and protecting due to circumstances that we might feel make us feel that if we don't do it for ourselves, we will have to go without the resources and protections we need to feel safe in this world. But Dr. Ayanla went in a different direction. She asked me a personal question. And y'all know I have been extremely transparent about the fact that my life choices and my chosen lifestyle are far outside of the norm. So when I said that I would date the bus owner, a lot of y'all heard something different. Some of you heard the following. Bus drivers are whack. Bus drivers are broke. Oh, and I'm too good for a bus driver. The only thing is, y'all made that part up. See, I said what I said. But then some of y'all started talking about salaries and hourly wages, pensions and benefits. And that's wild because I was never talking about money at all. I was talking about black ownership, but some of y'all made it about money. I'm talking about ownership, black enterprise and entrepreneurship, because really I am talking about black liberation. And if you read my book, you'll understand why. So I'm standing 10 toes down on that position, and I don't really care if you're hurt or offended by it. And since some of y'all are already big mad, let me go ahead and make you incensed. So out of the 50,000 plus comments posted on social, I only saw a handful that even considered the possibility of a bus owner being a more aspirational position and recognizing that I am actually speaking and pouring into the ascension of black men when I said what I said. But see, no, some of y'all were too busy naming and shaming me personally and black women in general as undesirable gold diggers and much worse. Now, I suspect that some of y'all are the same men that were bringing home C's and D's on your report cards, only to then be coddled by parents that said, well, that's okay, as long as you're doing your best. Well, listen, I love and believe in the excellence of black men. So no, my dear, C's and D's or any other form of mediocrity is not okay. No, I will not create a soft place for you or anybody that I love to fall comfortably into the bigotry of low expectations. So I'm going to say one more time, there's absolutely nothing wrong with driving a bus. My mother, Gloria, drove one for years. 
But could it be that black America has been sold a narrative of average, regular, and typical being good enough for us? Hmm. Well, see, that's called white supremacy. And in this case, it takes the form of conditioning black Americans to happily accept being a permanent American underclass. But see, because I know the truth about black folk in America, no, average is not and will never be good enough for me. And the gag is, I don't think it's good enough for you either. Um, that was a lot. That was verbal, uh, what do they call it? Verbal Style. diarrhea, diarrhea of the mouth. Um, I was trying Word to take Style. notes on what was said, and I'm going to try to address just the notes that I took down really quickly because I really want to get everybody's opinion on this. But I can say for a fact from what I just heard, she said she wasn't speaking about finances. Did y'all hear that? Yeah. But I can say she repeated the words protect, provide, and resources at least twice, if not more, in the diatribe. So what is she referring to when she says the words protect, provide, and resources? Wouldn't financials fall into at least two of those? She mentioned Provide and resources? Yeah, and sometimes did. protect has to do with being able to provide a safe home, which is a financial thing as well. So I, I, so I'm having a hard time understanding the response as being directed towards what was said and the conversation. And and it, there's a lot there, but um, she labeled herself a professional disruptor, which is fine. I, however, she wants to define herself or describe herself or her behavior is fine with me. Um, but she mentioned being asked a personal question, right? She did say her life is far outside the norm, right? She said that mm -hmm. as well, but I do believe she's trying to speak to and for the people she would put in the norm. Would that not be similar to someone trying to like say, well, I was born in the suburbs, but I'm going to tell you everything about the hood. I'm just, I'm just, you know, she did um, talk about speaking life into black men in the same sentence she belittled them. If you go back to it, that is what happened, right? I'm not judging her. I'm just trying to speak from an observational space. She also mentioned she knows the truth about black America, but she also said her life is far outside the norm. So what truth is she speaking to? Is it her truth or it is it some greater truth that she's researched and studied that she can then educate us on with, with facts, information, resources, numbers. You know what I mean? Um, I think she moved the goalposts a lot in that conversation. And it's very hard um, to hear that statement and then talk about, oh, this is white supremacy. I know the definition of white supremacy. What you're saying is not the definition. It, it may be some distant offshoot, but it a lot of the statements is like, if that was a prepared statement, it was poorly prepared. And I guess that's it. It it, it was like very hyperbolic and it was kind of like um, if you say a thing with enough attitude, um, then <laughs> it has gravitas and it has, you know, that thing. It's true. Um, listen, she made a lot of salient points. I don't, um, 
and I also, and then she also threw in a good helping of contradiction. And it's one, and she, she said it right. She is a disruptor and she did an excellent job. Um, I don't think that that's one of those, I, I don't know. I think she's, a, she's, a, she's, she's very good at what she does, which is, which is tall, you know? And, um, and she did a very, she did a very good job of that. Um, and so, so, um, I, but I do, I do believe that, um, you know, listen, go with what makes you happy in life. You know what I mean? If, if, if by all means, what's, if, if you're out here, just be, get, get you some happy, whatever that means to you. You know what I mean? Do that thing. And hopefully you meet someone who you dig. EOT says ownership is about money and, if she has a JD, I'm not sure what JD is. Um, she can um she can uh wait for whatever dude she feels worthy of her. It's her choice to wait forever. She might be a beautiful spinster. She might be, you know. Uh Sean says she is made at she's made at her mom. So she's mad at her mom for not ending her name with a Y instead of an I. <laughs> but she mentioned her mom's career. She forgot daddy. Okay. Uh, who wrote her response? George Santos, a PR firm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, you know I, I, th- I think um, I do agree that you have a right um, to lift any standard that you want because it's your personal life. Um, yeah. But I'll say this. I don't think a person's uh, profession is just indicative of how they will be as a partner, how much they love you or they can take care of you. And sometimes people's circumstances are different. Um, I'll say this. I believe the door to corporate America is not as open wide to black men as it is black women. I just always believe that. I think uh, I think that's verifiable. Um, I don't think people want I don't know that there's anybody else that has had their foot on, you know, our community more than the, the, the powers that be. They, they just have, especially men. There's always been this thing about men in this country. And if we were not used for labor, um, we were of no use to anybody. And so I think uh, that has to be taken into consideration. But to me, if you would date the person if they own the bus, but won't date the person if they work they on the it. bus, yeah. I don't know that that's a good litmus test because the reality of it is this, there, this, this, as Damien said, the goalposts keep moving. Uh, there are some people who own the bus that are abusers. There are some people that own the bus company that are the worst people in the world. And so I think when it comes to that, I'm more interested in uh, a person's effort and their intent and what they're trying to do. I've seen some during the pandemic, I've seen some people that, that work for wow. uh, Fresh Direct that are out every morning working and doing things or people that work for Amazon or working their way through school or different things like that, you know, and if you don't want to be with one of those people because they don't make the money you make, uh, well, that's totally up to you. But I don't think because people don't own their own business or because people are not in a certain income bracket that, that disqualifies them from being a, a great uh, partner or husband or wife. And so I think you have to take now there's a long way between being that and a deadbeat. You know, I have no regard for a man that doesn't want to work, but there's some guys out there that's doing two and three jobs and, and they may not be making six figures in the corporate world, but with their mechanic shop or, you know, the things that they're doing, they're getting it all to add up and they're just doing it a different route, you know, and some people are very happy at what they're doing. So to me, 
uh, again, you have a right to choose what you want to choose. But uh, I think sometimes we disqualify people because we think we see the trappings of success. And I think what that statement was, was damage control. That's what it sounded like to me. It sounded like just something that was carefully crafted um, to carefully to, to well, yeah, well, well George I, Santos, like my man Sean said, George Santos. Well, 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 when when I say that, because <laughs> the, the the narrative, you had to go line by line trying to push back on the things that were said, and somebody came up with that. I don't so think anybody came come up, up with that. that. I think she did. I really do. I don't think, well, I, yeah, I'll be honest with you. I, 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 I can't ooh, say there because I, I don't know her. I don't yeah, know her. So you know. You know, she doesn't own the network. She's just a person speaking a segment on a broadcast. Would she be considered an employee or an employer? Ooh, don't do it like she's that. not an owner, right? She yeah, is she not a black owner. She's talking about ownership, but she's not an owner. Ooh, right. hey. So let me, let me, let me, I feel like Dame Dash would have something to say Ooh. about that. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, let me, let, me, let me real quick. Let me. I noticed this one thing the other day. Like, all right, let's use South American people, right? South American family, the brothers. Let me talk about Mexico, Guatemala. You know, all the places guys come over, they work hard doing roofs, cutting grass, vegetables. Their wives are right there by them side. On the weekends, they got a whole family unit united. They roasting that corn with that red yep. shit on it. All that yep. shit on the weekends. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, they doing games. They, they have family functions. They building a family unit. And that might be the first one to spark the, for the for the kids that give whatever, become those doctors. But she's not looking at the family unit. She's wasted all on on. The status of a job, the status of an yeah. employment, and yeah. look at those families, man. They, you know what I'm saying? They, they, they strong. They buy the houses together. They stay connected. They build a family. And she's just on another plane with some other shit. You want to date the? the There's a lot of chicks that make forty thousand dollars. Think they to have million dollar men. She want to. She want to date the finished product. She don't want to get in on the ground level. Yeah, you never you know. know. You yeah. never know where the yeah. brother might be at. And the brother, I'm telling you now, I played more games. Being like, if I had a million dollars, like a, a gazillion dollars to play with. A gazillionaire is playing a lot of games on you, man. You're gonna be one chick. You gonna have a thousand chicks. I, I'm just telling oh, yeah. you. Why is it yeah, to, pick, to piggyback off of that, she did talk a lot about black women positioning themselves. Like, not she. She really didn't speak to any type of um, support system or situation where she was trying to speak life and ownership into a black family right. or the development of black families. You're right. And yeah. and honestly, right. I think. It it is a conversation that can happen, but I, if I'm talking about specifically her response that we just watched, that wasn't it to me. And I don't, you know, I think Derek mentioned it carefully. I don't think it was carefully crafted. It might have been that moment of like damage control. So I think Kelvin, I think you. Yeah, but it wasn't. It wasn't. What I'm saying is, it wasn't off the top. In other words, that was that was that was put to that teleprompter, um, Mm -hmm. because this was what what was thought that would. Yes, you know, I'm 10 tones down. Uh, in other words, you're gonna keep your position, you're gonna hold yeah. the position, you're gonna push back. Somebody said maybe we should go the sympathetic route. Maybe no, I'm gonna double down on it. I'm gonna whatever like that. So, in other words, it was intended to do what it did. Um, first thing I, I asked you three gentlemen, were you offended by the statements? No, I wasn't offended. I I I wouldn't be I wouldn't be offended by those type of statements. I know what these TV shows and things they're doing. They're drumming up attention to sell ad space. Yeah. So, yeah, you're selling ad space right now. That's how I view most of the things yeah. that they put on TV. <laughs> she, she got cashiers wanting millionaires. Yo, facts. <laughs> she says you're a public figure, male or female. You have to be mindful of how your personal trauma is shared or shows up. True, indeed. Yeah. Yo, listen. Anybody any more come? The thing is, you don't know where a brother could be. Like, there's a brother that was, and you're probably seeing a few brothers. They start. There's a guy that played in the NBA. Didn't have a great career. 
but he went on. Yeah, he actually had a decent career. He went on to work at Wendy's on his off time in the summertime. He started off just to learn the Wendy's, the, the bottom line of the Wendy's, to open up more franchises. You don't know what somebody could be at. That dude, Calvin, that's on that register, could be just the start of Calvin on 10 McDonald's later on down the road. So I would tell these youngsters, don't look at it like that. Don't think with, with, with the, pro, the product you see now it might not be the product that finishes later on. But see, D, what I'm saying is this. Whether he goes and owns franchises or not, there's something to be said about a working man who takes care of himself and his family and he loves you. I, I, I'll never forget. I, I saw a guy one time and he was a UPS driver. He sees a dude with a um, vacuum cleaner and he's telling this va- dude with the vacuum cleaner, like, you know, I'm reading this book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which I mean, a lot of people read 20 years ago. And he was like, um, oh, I read it too. Oh, if you if you read it, you wouldn't have that vacuum cleaner in your hand. And I told the dude, I was like, you don't talk to somebody like that. You don't know what this dude is doing with that vacuum cleaner. He's taking care of his child. He's taking care of his wife. He's taking care. But in your mind, so people have this illusion of when they see certain cars or when they see certain things. And what it is, is in our mind, we have what we think or call success. There's somebody, they did a study a couple of years ago, and they said that the the happiest people were people that made $75,000, not more than that. And people are like, that can't be, you know, especially living in New York, whatever like that. You really don't know. You really don't know what gives people peace. And you really don't. You could see somebody with a million cars. You don't know the overhead. You really you really don't know what people have or what makes people happy. I've, I, like I said, I've seen millionaires that are despondent. And I've seen people pushing everything they own down the street in a cart and look like they're the happiest people in the world. And you just never really know. So the question is, what works for you? But I don't want to disparage somebody because you think you fly. Because people need to. One thing I learned about this life, it can turn on a dime. It can turn on a dime. I I think standards and values matter, right? So there are people, I, I always say people should have whatever standards or values that they want in life. And if you have certain, as it pertains to like relationships and dating, which I think that's what Ebony K was really getting at by answering the question she was asked. If you have standards, you should stick to them. You shouldn't have to lower them. They they should be yours. I think you should also go with an understanding of those standards and how likely or unlikely they are to be met. So if you have unreasonable standards, don't change them. But understand, if you don't find that person or that thing, your, your partner or whatever that you're looking for, that person, you have to also be okay with that. So if you're gonna stand 10 toes down, understand that I want you to do that. But also understand that if it doesn't work out, be okay with that. Don't complain, Don't complain because you set the standards and you stood 10 toes down and I respect you and support you in that. But I also don't want you to be able to move the goalposts whenever you want to make yourself seem like you're the victim or you're, you're you know, somebody else is the prop. It's your choice. Yeah. And right. if you want people to respect it, that's fine. But be okay with if it don't work out. Saying that I made a choice and it didn't work out, just be honest. Yeah, let's go in with on the segment with EOT's last comment. She said, right She there. said, Fry guys could be fly guys down the road. That's, that's <laughs> fly. Right. Bars is that bars? bars right? That's said that we got other guests. So let's, let's get let's go to a commercial real quick and bring back our guest Max on the next on the next side. Jamie, commercial. Jamie. <laughs>
Purify IV got started uh, through a friend of mine coming to me with a, a great idea, a great concept um, that started out through a friend of his in, in Swanee, Georgia. One of the medical doctors is my best friend. So I thought it would work well here in Cornelius in the Charlotte area. One of the things that inspired me to open up this space was the overall wealth and wellness and clinical feel. A uh, good way of, of looking at it is uh, we have a drip for pretty much any occasion. So whether it's performance recovery, let's say you're into a performance, um, uh, you're an athlete, or you train or you run a uh, cross train. Uh, we attend several of those type of events, so we have a drip for that. We have something for the average person. If you had a long weekend, of course, the most well-known is the Myers Cocktail. Uh, we have something for women, skin, hair, nails. Um, and of course, we have something for immunity. The effects pretty much are immediate in terms of what people feel. They feel um, energized and feeling refreshed. Um, I had one friend of mine um, who followed up with me a day or two later. She was like, she just felt like she was glowing. She had the nail hair and skin. So she said, you know, I just feel like there's extra glows uh, for whatever reason. So I said, well, I'm pretty sure it's the benefit of the drip. When you come and visit Purify IV, you can expect a warm, inviting space. Uh, we want to take your mind off of coming to a medical clinic. Uh, we are a wellness clinic, but we more have a, a med spa feel. It's warm, it's relaxing. You can sit down in a uh, massage chair. You can sit down in one of our private rooms. We'll recline back, watch television. Uh, we want to create an experience for our clients. What separates us a lot in terms of comparison to other um, IV hydration uh, spaces is that we make all of our drips very fresh. Everything has to come direct from the pharmacy and has to meet certain specs. So we actually have mobile services. Uh, we go to Mooresville area, Charlotte area, Gastonia area. We can come to you. My personal goal at the end of each day is to hydrate as many people as possible and everybody can feel as rejuvenated as we do. You want to stay hydrated, you want to be hydrated, you want to be rejuvenated, and of course you want to be well. WCCB Charlotte's Carolina Insight is brought to you by Purify IV Charlotte. Yo, 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 what's up, what's up, what's up? If you like what you've seen from the four brothers here, give us a thumbs up. Like and subscribe to the channel so you can stay notified when we go live and post new content. Thank you for the support. Yo, Jamie, I'm sorry about that, man, but you know, brothers got to piss, man. You got old brothers with bad bladders, brother. We can't stay on there and keep going hard, man. God damn, you see we hydrating up here, we drinking water and shit. <laughs> so, but anyhow, so, you know, lately there's been a lot of stuff going on in the news. Um, we've seen a lot of murders going out. Yeah, murder, tragic murders and shootings, shootings going across America. We all know how New York has become the wild, wild west. And um, and a lot of stuff about gun reform and pro-gun stuff like that. So tonight we decided to have on one of my dear friends. I grew up with a uh, uh, gun advocate. He, he is, His name is Max. And Max, can you please come on tonight and Max, he's part of it. Max is an NRA instructor. <laughs> don't kill this me. Yet. Don't, don't uh, nah, me. this thing is a black one. I ain't never seen a black NRA instructor. How many of y'all out there? And please oh. let people know who the NRA instructor is. So the NRA is the National Rifle Association. Rifle Association. What the thing with the NRA is like this: like it or love it, they're the gold standard when it comes to training. So most people get their training either through USCCA or the NRA to certify that we have a certain level of proficiency. So <clears throat> started our, uh, my company based off of the fact that it was a need in our community where a lot of people wanted to get into it, didn't know how to get into it. And like I said, in New York City, the laws are crazy. And even the paperwork is a little bit intensive. So we just created something where we could take you from beginning to end, where you start off with 
helping you with your application, training, helping you pick out a pistol or a rifle, whatever um, you choose to move with, and taking you all the way down to advance and um, beyond. Some people are actually doing competitive shooting. So uh, let me ask you a question. First of all, uh, good evening, and thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so, for having me. So initially, on. when we mentioned uh, you in the intro with NRI, you said, "Don't kill me." What What do you think people uh, the, their perception of NRA is, and and what what are people missing here? Because obviously, there, there seems to be a relationship. There's a disconnect that people have an issue with it. What, what's the biggest concern you have with people's perception of the NRA? So the NRA was supposed to be. In, in a lot of people's mind, the NRA is this racist group of old white men who are just trying to kill us. And that's not the case. I think what's happened is the NRA was established for us initially, and it seems like it's got whitewashed. And then there are some racist people. But from what I can tell, from what I've seen, and this is crazy, and I'm going to be honest with you, I have not dealt with racism in this firearm community. It's, it's the weirdest thing because I've dealt with it every other platform in my life. So that's why I know people's perceptions of the NRA because of there was a Morford Act where, you know, they spoke against gun rights, which was strange for them. But once again, this was 1950, 1960 with the Black Panthers, and they actually sided and helped pass a law that said, you know, you are not able to assembly with firearms together. So that was that in this time. But a lot of the laws that passed that benefit us in the two-way community is pushed by the NRA and a lot of other groups. So I know once you hear the NRA, a lot of people get triggered like, oh my God. And that's not really the case from what I've seen. I'll keep it a buck. So mm -hmm. that's my take on that. So Max, let me ask you a question. In a recent spike in crime in New York City, has it changed your views on gun ownership? And is there, and, and there's a growing trend of gun ownership amongst black people? Oh, absolutely. The rise is crazy as far as the amount of black gun owners that I've seen in recent times. Like me and my friends were, we used to be the only black men in there. It'd be the security guards and it'd be some police and then very few AKA civilians would be there. Black, that is. From the time of George Floyd till now, it's a whole different environment. We are no longer the minorities at the gun range which feels good to me because at least we're training. Now, as far as the spike, I don't connect the two together because you have responsible gun owners and you have criminals. So it's like the, the spike on criminals actually using, you know, like I said, they're criminals. So what they're going to do is commit crime. They're going to use guns. And a lot of this has to do with a lot of gang related stuff. This is why Chicago has the crime rate that it has on murders because it's, a lot of it is just that gang related stuff or personal beefs. Max, mm -hmm. um, do you, you said you don't make the connection. Um, do you make a connection inversely politically? Like, you know, we all, it seems like we're always, there's always uh, put away the guns, you know, by politicians, you know what I'm saying? Disarm, disarm, disarm. All right. And yet our crime rates, continue to do what they do um do you think that uh gun ownership or increased gun ownership within our community would have an effect um with regard to crime rates do you think it would be um higher lower um do you think there would be any effect at all what do you think 
I think there will be an effect. And I'm going to tell you this experience I had in the 90s. So here I am in the 90s. I'm out in Miami, Florida with my cousin. He's original from Jersey. And we're down there. We're having a good time in the mall, Aventura Mall. And um, me and this guy, we, you know, looked funny at each other. And he started to talk some smack. I just talked smack to him. And I was ready to turn up because, you know, I'm 20 years old. Testosterone flowing. And he, he's pulling me to the side like, yo, chill, chill. And I'm like, why? Like, this, I got him. He's like, nah, you don't get it. These dudes got guns legally. They will shoot you if you press it. And I was just like, I was like, wait a minute. I know my cousin ain't a punk. So if he's telling me this, then there's a different mentality here. And what, what I've come to understand is an armed society is a polite society. What do I think will happen? I think once criminals understand that they have more than the police force to deal with, it will definitely turn down. It's going to take some time because New York is new for this. But they understand, especially during this whole situation with the George Floyds and the riots, and they're seeing the response time. Criminals are not dumb. They understand response time. And they understand that when you make that phone call after they did what they did to you, they could be long gone. But when they know that there's a possibility that they could be engaged, it's a problem. If you listen to a lot of the school shooters and when they talk about why they pick the place they pick, they pick places where there were no armed people. You don't hear people getting, they running up in, in ranges or gun stores. Like the last situation that happened, I forgot what state that was with the um, uh, LGBT, I'm sorry, whatever that person was or whatever they identified, they went in there and they looked. They had other schools that they couldn't get into. They didn't go to any place. They went to a place where they knew that they could actually do the most damage. So that's my philosophy with that one. Max, so, I want to ask this question. Um, so I have uh, a friend of mine. We always have this debate about guns. And so New York, I guess, has moved forward that you'll be able to carry legally in New York. So there was an incident on the uh, subway where this guy, uh, he dressed as a uh, construction worker. And then he comes, he starts, I think he targeted the Asian community or it was maybe an Asian um, uh, Come on, the subway train? stop. Right, on train? right. Yeah. And so this guy was saying, that's why we need more guns. But I was saying, if everybody on that train was armed and everybody pulled, then what happens if they don't know who the shooter is? That's That was the thing I was concerned about when we get in situations because we when when Rodney was on the show, he said there's a lot of police officers that can't shoot. They only are required to go to the range like twice a year. So oh, it was God. like once, once you that. get a bunch of people, <laughs> once you get a bunch of people that are armed and together, does it require some type of discipline for people to? Because I would assume if I had a gun, then I'm if I hear bullets flying, I'm thinking everybody's suspect. Then I just start letting up. I don't know how it works. Like. What do you think? How do you you know deal with situations like that where it's just chaotic? Right. So I'm glad you touched on that because this is what you know. I'm saying I stress a lot to people. If you decide to get a firearm, you have to get trained, and you have to understand your training is not one or two days at the range just shooting off a couple of shots. That doesn't resonate with situation awareness, <clears throat> understanding a lot of things that you have to like evaluate the situation. You know, just because there's shots going off, who's it? Where is it? Am I able to make that shot? Who's behind that person? If I miss, you know, there's a whole lot of and it's and the thing about it is without training, you have to make these split second decisions and you'll find yourself in a lot of trouble. It's not always a shoot situation. 
if you can bring out, if you can draw a weapon and, and, and just hold somebody down for a minute, that might be a deterrent. You may not have to use your weapon. And it's just like, that's the last factor. I, don't, I think that what I want to express to a lot of people is to understand this. Because you have a gun and you go get a license, the last thing you want to do is actually use it. Because once you do, you're going to jail. <laughs> you better have a lot of money because you're going to be paying out the wazoo. You know what I'm saying? Court cases and everything. You're treated as a criminal. So making that assessment, you have to be trained. And it takes time. It's a certain level of commitment that you should have once you say, I'm applying for my license. I'm going to go forward with this. Now I'm committed to take these steps forward. If I was on the train and I had to evaluate the situation, I might not have drawn my weapon at all. Gun owners are very cautious in how they move. You have yeah. to be. Mm -hmm. Tim, Tim G says, Kelvin, when the shooting happened here this weekend, all these hardcore gun fools drove off just because they have them things get different when it's go time yeah the person that, who shot the video got in his big old pickup truck and drove off yeah <laughs> and that's what i'm talking about because when you're sitting there now you got to think like yeah i'm here to protect myself but if i engage somebody and the law is against me now where am i you know say i had great yeah. intentions but the way that i engaged them was illegal you know you gotta look at that it's like wait a minute if i approach him and I shoot him, right? Did I see a weapon? Was he a threat to me at that immediate moment? Was there a way to de-escalate the situation? That's why, like I said to you, shout out to Mars Teray and this team out there. They really work on de-escalation. And that's something I want to include in my company is to the conversation of trying to de-escalate the situation before the deadly force is being applied. But once you commit to it, you have to be willing to do it. There's a lot of, like I said to you, I have no issues with police officers at all, but I know that there's been situations where they shied away from situation when they got hot, because it's real. You even with the best training, it's still going to be a split second decision if you're going to engage. Max, let me ask you a question. Do you, do you feel? Oh, somebody's going to say something. Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead. Go ahead. Right. I'll, I'll speak. So, out. Yeah. So, how, how do you feel about? the different type of guns should it be a certain kind of guns everybody have people allowed to get ars or should it be like we know in new york state there's 10 rounds per magazine should they be allowed to have the extended magazines you know should they make them faster shooting guns what do you think okay so my belief in this is this and it's the media plays on the ignorance of the people okay mm. uh, ar-15 is not an assault weapon i'm gonna repeat again it is not an assault weapon it is not a fully automatic weapon. As fast as your finger goes, it's as fast as the bullet goes. The same rate of speed as a handgun. So when we're talking about rifles and handguns, I would absolutely use a rifle. Why? Because I can perform at a high rate in the most stressful situation. It is easier for me to train somebody with a rifle than a handgun. Because a handgun is only two points of contact. You have several points of contact that helps you enable that. So it's a little bit difficult for, you know, you want to shoot a handgun, you want to shoot a rifle. My belief is this. I don't believe that it's a deterrent for somebody to say, okay, I got 10 rounds, so I'm not going to commit a crime. Or if I got a 30-round magazine, now I'm going to commit a crime. And the majority, believe it or not, the majority of crimes, murders, occur with handguns. And then before the rifle, it's hands and feet. 
So if you had to look, I looked at the um, FBI um, stats and they were saying that. And I'm just like, wow, I never thought hands and feet kill more people than rifles do. But the way that they go about it is because the AR-15 has military style. So what they basically did is this. Guys who like anything to do with the military, they try to mimic it. Just like they'll take, that's why the H2 Hummer is popular. So they went and got this rifle. And was like, okay, let's put the same parts to make it look like it so we could feel cool about it. But it had nothing to do with the rate of speed, how deadly it is, nothing. You could have your father, your old grandfather's hunting rifle that shoots the same thing or more deadly around than that, but it doesn't have those black evil features on there. And people deemed it to be like, okay, that's respectable. If you had to do it on a caliber of deadly weapons, the AR-15 is not on the top of the list. There's so much more, more powerful rounds that have wood stock that look boring, like, you know, they call fuzz, you know, hunting rifles that would far worse than that. It's just the popularity. And do you, you from my era, so you know how the guys used to buy the Fieras and then they slap <laughs> on some, they slap on some wings on there. They had on uh, some rims and they act like it's a Lamborghini. It ain't a Lamborghini. That's similar to Pontiac. Right, it's a Pontiac. <laughs> Chrysler 300 is not a fan of it. So, yo, this is the, but, <laughs> you know yo, what I'm talking about. Yeah, so, the, the the mother thing that killed more people is uh is fucking uh Hennessy summertime basketball games with hip hop music. That might be the number one killer of people. <laughs> yo, don't don't forget just just the food that we eat. Thanks. Think about it. You, I think a comedian said this. You go to you go to a wake after somebody died, and they feed you the same food that killed him. Yeah, we don't even think about that. Half the food we eat, eat is taking us down. But I'm not like I said to you, a gun nut. I appreciate them. I like them. I like them for different reasons. The same way people like different Jordans. People say, "Why do you have so many guns? You can only shoot one at a time." True. Why do you have so many Jordans? You can only wear one at a time, right? So it's just something you get into. Some people's cigars, some people's just glasses. It's different things. Some people connect, lick, collect liquor and don't even drink. Mm -hmm. So I think what it is with our society is that we have to look at it. Is it a mental situation? Yes. A part of it is. The other part is culture. The American culture that's reinforced by the music, the videos, the movies, it's all supporting this type of vibe that the bad guy is not so bad anymore. And that's what I really think is happening. You got a show named Lucifer where he's a freaking hero. You got shows that witches aren't so bad and uh, the Joker's misunderstood. So what is that? You, you, And like I said to you, I think a lot of these school shooters are fascinated with being like an evil genius type of thing. Because where else would they get this notoriety? They're probably not achieving anything else in this world that they can get this clout from. They know, you know, if I take this weapon and I go kill people, well, I'm going to go down in the books. And then guess what the news does? The news media just completely, continuously speaks about them, says their name, and just keeps it going on and on and on and on and on. And then they become famous. But so, so, do, so do you think it's uh, the, the surge in gun violence is recently happening? you think it's more mental health issues or... Or, or what is it? The ownership? What do you think it is? Because there's been a lot of shootings now. And then how, if somebody's on the other side and saying, like, we got to do something to curve these things, 
what is your what do you think is your solution? What could be the common ground that people can to sit in the middle? So it's mental health issues and what what do you think would be the common ground that your side can say, okay, we can do this, and the other side will be at peace with it too. I think we have to demonize these people and the stop mental health the mental health people. No, I'm explaining that. Some of them are mental health, right? Because mm-hmm. you gotta be a little bit off, but it's a lot of cloud chasing, D, in my opinion. It's a mm-hmm. sense of cloud chasing. You think about it, right? Who would know Dolan, the guy who killed the people in the church, right? You're nobody. You're you're young. You got no opportunity. You can't you can't do nothing. You're not gonna be famous any other way. I think the media plays a role in it because I'll explain you something. When they talk about their school shootings that happen and other shootings that happen, but if it's not with an AR, you don't hear about it being blasted on news over and over and over again. And then the second thing is there are shootings that are stopped by other people with guns. You don't hear about it. And I'm just like, wait, 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 wait. This happened, that happened. This this person who had a firearm legitimately protected all these people. You don't hear his name. He's not a hero. He's not getting a plaque or nothing. But then you keep seeing, oh, they want to look into his manifesto. They want to look into all these things. They're actually perpetuating this, the next school shooter. And if I don't think, I, I, I don't know if you guys realize, um, the situation that happened in Buffalo, I actually printed out his manifesto and read it because I wanted to get into his psyche. And when I started to really look at it, he listed exactly what's going to happen. He said, I, I picked Buffalo because I know in New York State, they don't have guns. And if they do, it's only 10 rounds and police are going to have them. Right. One. Mm-hmm. Right. He went about it. And said to say, after I kill these people, they're going to come out, they're going to pass legislations and more gun laws, and they're going to make the next school shooter or the next mass shooter reoccur again. It's almost like back in the days when Charles Manson, guy who's psychopath, he had fans. All of these criminals have fans and fan club and people will write to them. So if we don't deal with that aspect of it, the mental aspect, it's never going to stop because the reality is this. In, in England, not England, but United Kingdom, they got rid of firearms. Guess what happened? They went to knives. The knife attacks are worse in the United Kingdom than we have gun problems here, believe it or not. And guess what these guys do? I'm not going to say how they do it because I don't want to put it out on the Internet. They apply certain things onto the knives that cause you not to your blood not to clot. So you bleed out from a simple cut. I must and say it. Huh? I say, I say, what it is? They put okay. garlic on it. They put they, they put garlic on the knife. Yeah. If you put if you put garlic on the, on, your, on the blade of a knife, you can't. Your blood won't clot if you if you cut somebody. You so you out. can you imagine you bleeding out to a simple cut? And if you look at the statistics of how much they're um how successful they were to kill a lot of people, you like astonishing. I think it was it was China or Japan, one of these countries, where this guy successfully killed like thirty something people with a knife. Well, well, first of all, thank you, D, for so the people that want to do it now don't have to go look for it. <laughs> look, look, look. I knew you were going to say that's what I did. Yeah, thank, thank you, D. I, pre- I appreciate that. You know what's about to have the struggle. What? Um, Is but, it the truth? How did you for that? 
No, you have to. It's almost 11. You got to get these. It's tradition. But listen, <laughs> Max, let me ask this question. One of my yeah, big issues is this. And you you said this the first time we interviewed. You said that the bad people are always going to get the guns. Should the manufacturers take more responsibility in how these guns that are made legally get to illegal hands the way they do? Like, I'm sure every gun you own, Max, you account for. Yeah. I'm sure there's not one gun that you bought that is somewhere on the street. Should yeah. there be a greater responsibility? Because it's easier to get a gun than it is a cell phone. I mean, there's something wrong with that in the streets. Not so to the manufacturer. <laughs> no, I'm talking about illegal guns. Illegal. I mean, every every kid, everybody, yeah, yeah, yeah. everybody got an illegal gun. So so uh, who should share the responsibility of how? Because I, I get you have a right to carry. You are trained. You are a legal owner. But the kid that's 13 years old, how does he get one? Okay, so this is my this is what I was thinking. It's got to get down to the grassroots of the problem. You got to find the people who are the straw buyers. The attention has been taken off of there. I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't like Giuliani for nothing. But when crime when he came down on TNT, he cleaned up. You got to focus on the illegal guns coming into the into the into New York State. How is it happening? You know, who's tracking this? If somebody's having, so when you go buy a gun, there's a NICS, um, uh, a background check that's made on you. And that's everywhere in the United States. So don't get it twisted. People hear, oh, you could buy it easier here. No, every place, just like you have to apply for a driver's license, you have to get a background check. So if somebody's having 40, 50 background checks, hold up, let's take a deeper look into him. And I know a lot of people in the two-way community may not agree with me because sometimes you buy a lot of guns. But let somebody look into you and be like, yo, you bought 40 guns. You got it. Can I, we want to take a look at them. Maybe that will stop. You know what I'm saying to you? Because the criminals will never stop being criminals. My concern is this. I'm not concerned about myself turning into a school shooter. It will never happen on mass shooter or, or killing any incident. But don't inhibit me from protecting my family. I don't outsource my safety. We could barely get the, the city to come clean up the streets when it snows. And I'm going to depend on, a, I got nothing, no issues with police at all. But I know the reality and their response time. And that doesn't work for me. Not living in America. I tell you, just like everybody tell you, I'm an American. <laughs> hey, Matt. Go, go, got, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to get you in there. I just want to make sure we get to Sean's comment. Then go yeah, to, yeah, then yeah. Go I was going to mention that. I, uh, okay. Sean, Sean asks, uh, what are the positive effects? Uh, what, what are the positive effects of gun ownership? Bria uh, Taylor boyfriend had a legal gun ownership, and look how they were slandered. I do feel like other states, like Texas, you need it. Well, the positive is this. Like, let's say, for instance, right? I've helped numerous, and it seems like more women are coming through to get their license. And I remember I helped this sister get her rifle and I trained her and everything right during the whole riots and everything. And I got a phone call. She said, Max, thank you. I'm like, for what? This is months later. She's like, I know I can sleep better knowing that I can at least send around in the direction if somebody comes into this home. And then I said, my job is done because that's what it's about. It's about empowering people to be able to protect themselves. That's why I want to be able to, my company deals with you from the very beginning and helps you throughout the process. We don't let you go. So that way you don't, oh, I don't know what, no, I got you. These are the parameters that you have to stick within. You got to understand these things. Um, I'm sorry, what's the second part of the question again? 
think the brother was asking me. Yeah, it feels like other states, it feels like in other states like Texas, you need it, you know. Um, he was, yeah, he was mentioning like, you know, Brianna Taylor's, you know, the boyfriend had a uh, legal gun. Look how yeah. they slant. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. We know we live in a world where there are these biases and racist behaviors. There's no way that you're going to combat it. Just like saying, I don't want to buy a nice car because I'm going to get pulled over all the time. It's going to happen. There's certain things as black and brown men that we know that we're going to deal with constantly. So it's, but when I weigh out the two, I'm like this, mm, okay, do I want to call the police and wait for them to arrive? If I can get to my phone in time or get to my gun and defend my home and know that, you know what? I got, I can, I can go to face trial or whatever the case is, but I'm alive. Yeah. Right, Damien's got a it, question. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, Derek, you had it. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I just wanted to ask. Um, you know, Max, I'm interested. Uh, in uh, gun ownership. Uh, I don't know anything about it, but I want to feel safe, as you say. I want to be like the woman that you know you mentioned. I want to feel safe. I want to know more about it. I'm coming to you. I discovered you. You're uh, Alpha by Attitude Firearm Academy. What's the first thing? Or what's the process like? What would you? What would you? Well, how would you? How would you greet me? How would you handle me? I have these questions. I don't really know what I want. Don't really know enough. But how would you handle me? Well, I usually handle it with a simple conversation, just kicking it. So, what are your concerns? What are you feeling? And what do you know? And it, do you have any level of experience? So, let's say the person's like, "Look, I'm not experienced, but I live in a house. I want to get a firearm, something to start off with, or whatever the case is." So, what I tend to do is this. I put them on a Zoom meeting where I have a PowerPoint presentation where I go through all of the safety aspects of it. You know, how to hold a gun, where not to point it, keep your finger off the trigger. These fundamental rules before I even take them out to the range. Once I take them out to the range now, I go out to New Jersey. Because why? You can shoot a handgun without a license if that's what they want. Once we're there now with a 22, which is basically like the pop is like a BB gun. So I, I stand basically over them, talk to them again about the safety briefing, and then we start the process. At all times, I put one round in the, in the magazine and see how that works. And then I continue, and then I keep going. Because like I said to you, a lot of people want to hit bullseye. I'm like, it's not just a bullseye. Right now, we just want to understand how that goes. And then we, we keep going forward. Now, if the person came to me and said, Max, I need help. I don't even know where to start. I'm like, let's start off with the licensing process. And then I, like I said, I send them the application. They go through it and I ask them a series of questions, which, you know, we got to ask because you know how we are. I'm like, is your license where you live? Or do you have a Florida license and you live in New York? Because that's fraud. So we don't want to go into anything like that. So I ask the obvious questions. Have you ever been arrested? Do you have a domestic issue? Have you ever been, you know, um, institutionalized? any um, mental issues and they go through it and then I'm like okay listen if this is your situation some people do have situations I get them disposition and I start working the process with them but in the interim of them applying for the license I encourage them to keep training because it takes considerably some time to be proficient at this this is something that you know a lot of people are very scared with this so I want to like we do handgun tailoring basically we hold your hand 
throughout the whole process. So it's just not me. I have a, I have a team of seven. All these guys are NRA certified instructors. I have one female on my team. She's the newest member. And I'm very proud. We have a really good, solid team. It's it's no different than you guys. You see how you guys chop it up and everybody loves the energy? That's what I people walk away from me. Max, you guys' energy was so good. I, I came in here scared, but I didn't feel there was no egos. Made the person feel comfortable. You encouraged them. And you really stressed the safety. I remember I told somebody who um, last week I was training. She was frustrated because she wasn't hitting the bullseye. But in the target, it was a silhouette, and then the outside was yellow. So I said to her, you can't look at it like that. The yellow are the innocent bystanders. You hit all within the silhouette. That's what you have to um, look at and anticipate. So I think that's basically what it is. And if somebody wants to continue, we continue. And we can take them as far as um, if they want to competitively shoot. I'm actually a part of Team Battle which is the first competitive team out in Lipsa, Long Island. And that's a different thing. That's running and gunning. That's the sportsman side of it. Where people, like I said to you, get into one aspect, you can go from, like I said to you, from every once in a while going to the range to competitively shooting. That's so much fun. It's a different world. I didn't know anything about it. I'm just proud that I allow myself to, you know, get into it without the apprehensions of this is what black people do. No, this is what we do too. Real quick, I'm gonna um <laughs> Jay, thank you, Sean. Sean my man. <laughs> Max, I know how much does the training Max, how much does the training uh quickly? I'm sorry, how much does the training cost? God damn, Kelvin. <laughs> I'm trying to get to the next time you got a few minutes. All, all right, right, man. All right, my fault. Right. <laughs> let let people contact you. It's cool. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you tell, tell me up. I'm I'm reasonably priced, but at the end of the day, like I said to you, it all depends. If you want if you want to learn, you want to start off with handguns. We got to go into New Jersey because it's not legal to shoot anybody else's gun in New York. If you want to start off with rifles, which I don't have a problem with, because to me, I'll be honest with you, if I had to pick one firearm, it would be a rifle over a handgun. Why? Because in the worst situation, whether I'm tired, I came from a party, I'm saucy, I could still perform to a high level. So, it varies, and uh, it, it's customary to the person themselves. Because I have people who come to me, they ha- they want to buy a gun, and they got the license already. So now what they say, like, Max, where do I start? And everybody tells them, get a Glock. No, don't just get a Glock. We're not doing that. It's 2023. There's so many other guns that are available that are comparable. So now I have to explain to them, look, we're going to have to go to the range. We're going to go through a series of guns. And I, I have some guns, a few. So, oh, boy. <laughs> thank you max man i appreciate it. i know we got a wrap thank you man yeah we got we got yeah max so what can people find you on instagram matt and and how and they can inbox my man max and he'll get back to you and i listen i know the brother for a while he trained me on how to get my firearm and he's and i gotta i could speak nothing but highly about this brother right here and, and treating me and training me in different weapons so max how can they find you on instagram you can catch me on Instagram at alphabyattitude.com and just link on the bio. In a few weeks, we'll have the website up and running, but we're actively training private and groups. And like I said, we take you from, from the rudum to the tutum. <laughs> All right, my brother, man. Love you, brother, and I'll see you soon, Thank man. you. I appreciate it. Hey, D, I got to say one what thing. Up? All what you up? guys are welcome. I would love to um, 
step to the range with you guys and come back on the show again and see what you're yeah, we gotta film that we gotta film that we're gonna I'm film that there. we out there Thank you. Yeah, that. you gotta come out to De- Jersey, Derek. We gotta get you out of Long Island, brother. No, ain't no problem. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let me know when. All right, right Derek's, problem, Derek can't sleep. Derek's up early in the morning, but he don't sleep, so we can do that early in the morning thing. <laughs> you got All right. it. All right, thanks Max, for having peace, me on, brother. guys. All right, thank you, brother, for coming on. All right, so listen, gentlemen, and you know, we almost come on. Can break, I ask but... a quick question before we transition? Go ahead. What's the secret to killing vampires? Garlic. Oh, okay, okay. Just wanted to go. Oh, that's so we can't, silver bullets are too expensive, though. That's the yeah, thing. so you need to just put garlic on some sharp objects so you could just do it quick. Okay. Okay. Town, man. But that thing in London is crazy, though. But um, we about to come on Mother's Day, and we all got mothers that we dearly love and stuff like that. But who are you guys' top five TV moms? I think we should go one at a time. I'm going to start. Well, who want to go first? And let me just go right we'll go around uh, after that. Who goes Anybody? First? You got to set it off. No, yeah, my yeah. bad. Go ahead, Derek. No, go ahead, Derek. You set it off. We can do it in the order of the, of the intro. So we'll, you will do it that way. All right. All right so I'm going to do mine sort of in reverse, uh, five, chronological five to one. Um, okay. My number five, in my number five position, I have Aunt Vivian. All right. From the Fresh Prince. Yeah, 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 I think yeah. I have her number five. Um, you know, and the reason I have her number five and not high, obviously, you got to split it up between two separate actresses you know the original aunt viv which is uh what's her name janet hearse uh, and uh and uh you have daphne maxwell uh reed as a second oh, you, got a, you got third on viv now i like the new on viv better than the second on viv oh man on the on on bel-air show oh yeah well yeah there you go and that well you know yeah there you go and and, and i haven't yeah. gotten into that yet so i gotta watch oh it. i gotta get into watch that brother it, yeah get into i watched it. a little bit of it, it was interesting Far departure. Yeah, yeah. Number four, I got uh Mabel Mama Thomas from What's Happening. Yeah, all right. Played by too, Mabel yeah. King. Um, I felt like she was about to beat Roger's ass every episode. <laughs> like she was two <laughs> seconds off of just going okay, ham on every single step. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm, so yeah, mm-hmm. she was definitely, you know, a mother figure. Uh, then I have mm-hmm. number three, my number three position. I have Louise Jefferson, Wheezy, all right. Um, Isabel Sanford, and uh, you know. You got to put on there because she put up with George's ass, man. He was wilding out most of the time. Um, so she was definitely there um, as the uh, mitigating or grounding figure uh, for the husband who was just off the chain. Number two, I have Florida Evans. That's the role. Damn, damn, damn. I have her. You know, <laughs> she was like the ultimate projects mom, you know, um, around the way. Um, you know, she spoke for a, uh, a generation of people uh, who perhaps were, you know, voiceless. I don't know. You know what I mean? Um, so she spoke to that. And uh, number one, of course, is, uh, you know, <clears throat> Claire Huxtable, Felicia Rassad. She was just basically goals. You know what I mean? So um, so you just got to add in. So that's my top five. Um, Damien, what's yours, man? That's that's a dope list. We got some in common, but I, I figured I might have a couple that nobody else had on the show. But let's see how this goes. So actually, my number five is Louise Weezy Jefferson. That's one of my favorite shows. I believe it was also written originally. I don't know if it was every episode or anything like that by a black woman. Um, George Jefferson is iconic dancing jokes, but yeah. Weezy kept up with him, which is hard when you have somebody who's that talented to keep up with them. And, you know, who's known for so many things. Um uh yeah but she was amazing um four i have the original aunt vivian she's you know the only 
Christopher, we acknowledge is Wallace. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of like that. Uh, it's the original Aunt Vivian. Like, she, I think she was just, uh, like an example of 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 black womanhood and beauty, and 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 not to say that the others weren't, but the way she carried herself, the way she spoke, acted. I mean, I felt like she was she was maybe the next generation's Claire Huxtable. Um, mm. Number three. Now, if y'all got a problem with this, we could we could talk about it after the show. But I'm gonna say Adele Wayne, Dwayne Wayne's mother, played by Patti LaBelle. <laughs> I didn't think about that. Fire! She oh. was mad funny every episode. Oh, she had a small role, but she was dope on that show. And I'm a yeah, Patti fan. You went Don't deep at me. in the crowd. Yeah, you went in the I'm gonna block you. Yeah, <laughs> Patty. There's no Patty slander. All right, number two. Y'all might kill me for this one. I'm going with Mama Payne. She was too. She was the funniest. <laughs> Mama Payne. <laughs> she was the funniest. Applehead. Every time she disrespected. Every time she disrespected Gina. Every time she came at somebody, the Mama's biscuits. It was just too good. It was probably one of the most well crafted shock. You know what I'm saying? Like situations in comedy in terms of black yeah. um, sitcoms and things like that. Number one, it's hard to go against Claire Huxtable. Yeah. She's still like a a just model for like like uplifting woman. Like you know, she's just she's like a prototype of something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think we all kind of grew up with her in different ages and different ways. And I think she's always carried herself in a way that that you have to respect. You have yeah. to show and pay some type of homage to, but um, that's my list. Kelvin, don't at me. Okay, so um, <laughs> I'll, I'll go very quickly. I know time is short. Um, I don't have Louise Jefferson on there because to me, Lionel was grown the whole show, and she never really interacted much. I didn't see them mother her much. She was a great wife, but I never saw her really mother him much. Um, I'm going number five, Florida Evans. Um, I'm gonna do uh, Mabel at four. Um, I have Claire Huxtable number three. Um, I have Rochelle from Everybody Hates Chris, number two, mm-hmm. for the way she had to deal with the family. And number one is going to be a shocker to everybody, Walona. I thought Walona was a single parent. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that, you know, she took a child that had been abused. And um, I thought she defended uh, young uh, Penny uh, very, oh. very early. So I think she had to handle it by herself. And she still managed to try to date but protect the daughter at the same time. So I'm going to go with Walona, number one. Dope. I, I like that dope. Walona one. I like that one. That was dope. But um I won't, I'm never going to put Florida Evans in mind because she never wanted to get up and get them out the projects to the husband was dead. <laughs> so she never, anything from good times, they never want to work two people and then want to work in the house at the same time to get out the projects. I'm never going to put them on my list. <laughs> That's because you wouldn't date a bus driver. That's why. Go ahead. <laughs> my father drove buses. <laughs> my family got bus company. So it's just, um, all right, my number five. This one trip y'all out. Rainbow Johnson from Blackish. She had the, uh, she loved the odd. Uh, she loved her son no matter how weird he was. She jumped into the things of him being weird. You know, I love the way she loved on her husband, support him. They was she was goofy. I like that. It was kind of fun with the way the kids, the twins. Um, very supportive of all the children. Uh she know I do got that everybody hits Chris. She always yeah. talked about a man. She bigged up a man. My man got two jobs. You know, I love that she was always like she bust the kids' ass, but also protected and loved them at the same time. I do go with number three, the Aunt Vivs. I got the first Aunt Viv and the third Aunt Viv. The middle Aunt Viv is eh. 
Yeah, I like so, the new. I like I like Bel Air. The new ones like, eh, like, but I like that they brought it back. If anybody didn't watch new Bel Air, they brought back the middle Aunt Viv. I hope they bring back in the third season the original Aunt Viv. That would be kind of dope to give us some shine to have all the Aunt Vivs on the show. At, at, oh at wow, that would be kind of dope. Um, I like Louise Weezy Jefferson tie between her and Mabel Thomas. Those are my two for number two kind of tie. I like Weezy. I like the way. He, as a mom, yes, Lionel was old. I mean, you had the dark skin Lionel, and then you had the brown skin Lionel. So I don't know, I don't know which was the better mom to which Lionel it was at the time or not. So I don't know which one it was, but she was she was dope for that. Um, my number one, everybody like everybody said, Claire Huxley, man. Yeah, uh, now she like she got yeah. on the kids when they were bad they, or they messed up. She kept yeah. it real with them. She 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 always went to bed with makeup on. She had, she didn't wear no bonnet. You know, that's why they popped up the five. That's why they have five kids. They have five kids because every time you go to bed, your wife looking good. Like, damn, no bonnet, no no rollers. Let's let's you know, I'm ready, I'm ready to spread them cheeks. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, I can't be mad at that. Shout shit. out Big Ron. Shout out Big you know what Ron. Say? Big Ron. Hey, so that's man. my top five, man. Claire's the goat, man. Claire's clearly the goat. Claire was the Claire was the goat, man. I mean, that's just the, like. <laughs> Just put black. That's what we grew up with shows when black women had those drinks. We had Claire Huxtables. Yeah, and yeah. that's the difference with nowadays. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, that—that yeah. that was the standard. So you went to college. When you went to college, I'm gonna get me a damn Claire Huxtable. That's right. Now, <laughs> now you like you fucking get fucking Bonifa like Kelvin uh, say out there with the fucking bonnet ready to fight on fucking Spirit Airlines and shit like that. So. But Jimmy, uh, Jimmy, uh, play the mom clip, man, for us real quick, brother. Yo, I forgot about Happy Bernie Mac. Happy Mother's Day. But I forgot for a few there. Those are some good ones I forgot about in that. In that, that's, in that yeah, segment. that's a dope list. But, but, but Weezy Jefferson for always holding a man down because we didn't know he was on the other side on the low. <laughs> so she held him down no matter what. And uh, first scroll after Winslow, 11 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Jay. I was about to get out of here. I almost got, I almost we got one for the next show. show. <laughs> he carries over. <laughs> nah, man, that was good, man. That was a good way to end the show, man. Happy Mother's Day. We want to say we love you all. We, us black men here, wouldn't be nothing without you, ladies. We love you all dearly to our heart. We will always be there for you, and we always will protect you. We love you all. Peace, peace, and love peace. you, mommy. Love you, mommy. <laughs>